Hi, I hope you're having a good day today or evening tonight as you tune in to the Redheaded Preacher podcast. My name is Richard Lanford. I am the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. This podcast is about uh, faith. The sermon is about faith. The faith of Abraham getting deeper and where we find ourselves in that same kind of evolution even though, of course, our circumstances are very different and we are not him. But we might still find some helpful parallels or inspiration. The readings are from Luke 13 and Psalm 27, and uh, I'm preaching out of Genesis 15, uh, verses 1 through 12, I think, I don't have it in front of me, and 17 and 18. They're read by our church president. In fact, she's our lector, Jen Schneider. And I, before going any further, as I often do, not always, I invite you to join me in a brief moment of prayer. Holy God, mysterious one, sovereign of the world and savior, we thank you for this opportunity to hear an exploration of your word we ask your blessing upon our listening and upon our thinking about what we hear. For we are dedicating this time to you and to the upbuilding of our faith in you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. And now here are the scriptures for the service of uh, the second Sunday in Lent, 2022. The Gospel lesson today is the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Jesus has some interesting things to say to Herod Antipas and to Jerusalem. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod is trying to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen. I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This ends the reading from Luke and our scripture for today's service. May God grant a joyful and transforming understanding of this, God's holy word. The first time that I remember arguing with God with some frustration is when I had my car accident that put me in the hospital for eight days and then a neck brace for another seven weeks. It was a tough time in more ways than one and I wondered why and why me? I had not caused the accident but I was why was I going through this pain and these hurts? Now as some of you know I did receive an answer and I didn't have to wait too long to get it kind of figured it out, but 
There were other times I shared my impatience or anger with God, and I expect many of you, if not all of you, have had bouts with God yourselves. Well, we are in good biblical company. I can imagine our Jewish neighbor, Michael, telling me, Jews have been arguing with God since the beginning. Well, Abraham's faith and ours, with very different circumstances, share that, unless you have never questioned the Lord. My first exposure to Jewish people arguing with God was uh, when I was in Fiddler on the Roof with Reb Tevya and his conversations with God. And you heard Jen read Abram and Yahweh's conversation. Yahweh addresses Abram significantly enough, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. Now the promise to Abram and Sarah that a multitude of nations should come from their offspring, from specifically a son, was in great jeopardy at their very advanced age, they believed, as well as their descendants possessing the land. Years had passed since Genesis 12 when the promises were made and they responded in faith and took off. Heck, yeah, Abram was afraid of this promise fading into nothing with the slave being his heir. He's upset. If we were in his position, wouldn't you be? Clearly, the faith to which Abram is called is not a peaceful, pious acceptance. It is hard-fought and deeply argued conviction. Abram will not be a passive recipient of the promise only. Not, Not at this point. Here is a place I think we can relate and not be afraid. It is essential, I believe, to be humble before the creator of the universe and the savior of the world. But Abram argued with God, and he was not alone. Samuel was questioning God when discerning which son of Jesse he should anoint to succeed Saul as Israel's next king. Jeremiah's allegation against God in chapter 20 is so raw in Hebrew, the translations soften it. Elijah was so bummed when he ran away from God when even after God had vindicated him on the contest at Mount Carmel, Jezebel put out a contract on him and he took off. Also, Jonah fled. Moses tried to refuse God's call. Jesus asked, not to say he argued, but he asked if the cup would pass from him and so on. Job, he let God have it. And God was and is big enough to take it. Our faith to be vibrant and alive should not shy away from struggling with God and expressing our frustration at the way things are going or not going. It's okay. We are in good company. So what happened to Abram's faith after this venting? Yahweh reassured him of the promise. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. And what happened next is crucial. God 
brought him outside, Genesis tells us, and God brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. So shall your descendants be. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now, I know an outdoors-loving colleague in ministry who had been an atheist and came to a living faith in God through a specific event when he sensed God's presence and call out in the open, out in nature. For him, it was an unmistakable spiritual shift for him. But we do not all get something like that. However, it seems Abram did. He did receive something at this, what, what I, in the passage I just read, and it helped him get past focusing on his disappointment. To borrow the words from Walter Brueggemann, who wrote a commentary on Genesis, Talking first about the stars in the sky, he says, the sign proves nothing. How could it be that a multitude of stars is a promise of a sun? This is not an argument, but a revelation. This is a vision, a disclosure that surprises old reality. We are struggling, as was Abram, with the emergence of a certitude that is based not on human reasons, but on a primal awareness that God is God. And that certitude, he continues, is given in this dark moment to Abraham. He knows, and the knowing can only be credited to the work of God's brooding care. The same God who gives the promise is the one who makes it believable. Only the new awareness of who God really is, that God really is God, provides ground for Abraham's safe future. Abraham believed, we heard, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, a new place in faith and life. Abram was given to see that beyond discussions, that the same God who makes stars beyond number can also make a son for this barren family. The basis for his faith got deeper. He believed not only in the promise from God, which he had just argued with the Lord about, but in this revelation he came to believe in the promise speaker. Abram has now allowed God not to be a hypothesis about the future, but the voice around which his life is now organized. He has now allowed God not to be a hypothesis about the future, but the voice around which his future, his life is organized. That's deeper than his pilgrim faith of chapter 12 was before. Your faith and mine can sit in this for a while, marinating in the mystery of God and faith amidst our periods of barrenness, doubt, or impatience. A primal awareness unlike before that God is God.
in a song called Righteous Love, singer Joan Osborne sang, Faith is a mystery that rocks me for days and days and days and days. Faith is a mystery because scripture tells us to nurture it, strengthen it, hold it fast, and it is what receives God's grace and God's spirit. Yet where did it come from? Is it related to the God-shaped hole which Blaise Pascal said we are all born with and only God can fill that? Is it related to something we create? Or is it both gift and something we do? A mystery that rocks me for days and days and days indeed. A faith which Hebrews tells us, faith is the conviction in things not seen, the assurance of things hoped for. And that leads its adherence to love in action, to serve in hope, sacrifice in covenant relationships, and to take risks for the good of the whole under God. A mystery that rocks us, still leads us into actions of various graceful kinds. It's a dynamic which changes our faith in God from that of a theory we like or a hope of heaven we pin our futures on to be that which receives the voice around which, around whom we organize our lives. Let's look at Abram again. After this revelation born of the stars beyond number, he left behind a reading of reality that's measured by what he could see or touch or manage. The new orientation is not a generalized religious notion that everything will work out okay. Instead, his was a specific reaction to a concrete promise from a known promise maker. Now he really knew this promise maker. The faith of Abram is certain of one point that he was not at the start of our passage. There is a future to be given which will be new and not derived from the present barrenness. He believes that God can cause a break point between the exhausted present and a buoyant future. He believes, as Brueggemann says it, in a genuine Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. I believe that the new faith for Abram must be seen as a miracle from God. This newly ready Abram, more than before, is a creature of the word of promise from the promise speaker, the eternal one. By comparison, Remember in Matthew 16, when Simon Peter, without explanation or a cause, except Jesus saying, who do people say that I am, bursts out saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where did this come from? How was faith possible in this life of uncertainty or unfaith? The response of Jesus indicates the miracle and gift which faith is. Blessed are you, Simon, son of, Bar son of John, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
This, I think, is how the, how the faith of Abraham is, of, of Abraham is. He did not move from protest, well, I don't have any kids, you promised me, to confession by knowledge or persuasion of logic, but by the power of God who reveals and, and, and causes his revelation to be accepted. The new pilgrimage of Abraham is not grounded in the old flesh of Sarah nor the tired bones of Abraham himself, but in the disclosing, the revealing word of God. Like Simon Peter, Abraham's faith was his response to a grace from God already given. This very real and grace-giving God, and not Abraham or Sarah's wills, this very real grace-giving God calls the shots now. It's the voice around whom one's life organizes. There is a surrender, then, of trying to manage, fix, or control one's future. And leaving overall to the care of God, the mighty creator of all. And that faith, which is now open to a new reality, a new orientation towards God and God's future, is also open to, as Walter Brueggemann says, a genuine genesis. Well, not every faith is, but his became that, even more so than it was in Genesis 12, when he and Sari did pick up and hit the road, as God asked, with the promises of land and a world-blessing offspring. Such faith, we've heard, was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. This new faith, or new version, this depth of faith. I'm going to stop for a moment, uh, giving us a chance to silently think where you or I, for me, may be in this exploration of Abraham's faith development. As we understood a fraction of his upset at the beginning, is his faith V2 something you or I know as well? Not to copy his experience, because he was him and we are us, but to identify with his faith in some way at this point? Does our trust in God find new life, even somehow in barrenness, Responding to an already given grace, freshly grounded in God as God and not us. Such faith was reckoned to Abram as righteousness, and it opened him to a new beginning from God that was still consistent with the promise. Well, just what does this mean? St. Paul spent a good bit of time writing about righteousness or our right standing before God, or lacking it, in a setting that in his writings sound a little bit like a courtroom trial, legal ease kind of thing. Another way to think of it, Gerhard von Rod wrote, is that Abraham is now abruptly designated as one well-pleasing in God's sight. This revolutionary text in the history of faith announces what it means to be the human creatures that we were created to be, that is, to be righteous. 
His faith was reckoned to God as him being pleasing in God's sight. Righteous, pleasing in God's sight. To have the faith that is, wealth, that is reckoned as righteousness or pleasing in God's sight seems to mean to have the faith that trusts God's future and live assured of that future even in the deathly present. This new righteousness means to relinquish control of the present for the sake of a genesis. Abraham is, to use 2 Corinthians 5, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, that we might become the righteousness of God. To back up a touch, this reliance on the promised speaker Responding to an already given grace, seeing new beginnings in the midst of doubt and seeming hopelessness is not simply an embrace of the goodness which meets us in the world, but a reception of the goodness of God promised in spite of the way the world is. The faith of Abraham is not in anything he sees in the world, but in a word which will overcome the barrenness of the world. Faith, Brueggemann wrote, is reliance, on God's promise of overcoming the present for new life. Reliance on God's promise of overcoming the present for new life. He points us New Testamenters not only to Paul, but to John 16, where Jesus said to his disciples, I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage, I have overcome the world. As that is a faith like Abram had, may it be the depth of ours too. Lastly, you and I know that given by the Lord or not, faith has a human problem, and the problem of faith is waiting, especially when the delay seems unending. Abram was impatient. But we usually get impatient years before he did. The story reminds us that gifts may not be forced. Gifts from God may not be forced. Such faith that makes us pleasing before God is a faith that knows futures stay in the hand of the God who gives them. We ought not give in to the temptation to form an immediate alternative future of our own making, but reclaim like the spiritual does, that we may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. With this faith, Abram was not passive, nor are you and I to be, but remembering that God is God. The value of waiting is not only in what we may learn from it, but also in what we do while we wait for what God has. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I hope that after listening and spending some time with Jen and I, that you uh, are still having a good day or a good evening. We appreciate your listening. 
I want to thank uh, Laura Olson, our office manager, who always puts these podcast pieces together and editing when necessary. Uh, folks, you don't you don't know about the work she does behind the scenes, but um, you, we do the recording and then she puts it all together. So thanks to her. Shout out to her and to all of you. May God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. You can find St. Peter's on most social media platforms by typing in your search engine, St. Peter UCC Skokie.